0: We're here tonight because we recognize uh, what Paul wrote in Hebrews 13. That marriage is to be honored by all. It's honorable. And uh, it's not an issue that's at the bottom of our priority list as believers. It's at the top. Uh, Because our marriages are a reflection of our faith. Uh, They're a testimony of our faith. I don't want to steal all Stoney's Stony's Thunder, perhaps. but, But you and I have the privilege, those that are married, if you're single tonight... This is what we're looking forward to when, when, when you're looking forward to who you're going to marry. Um, to sing the gospel as a husband and a bride together throughout life as we relate to one another. And so as we honor marriage, uh, that's why we've set apart this weekend to do just that. And I'm excited that uh, Brother Stoney agreed to come and be our guest speaker this weekend along with his uh, precious bride, Miss Missy. Uh, Pastor Stoney bat, uh, was uh, born and raised in the foothills of North Carolina, not far from here. And uh, he surrendered to ministry in 1996 and uh, actually served over at Tri-Cities Baptist Church. And there are some in this room who actually uh, were there serving with him. And some actually accepted Christ. And Brother Stoney had a, a part uh, in that as well. And uh, and so we're grateful for that. Uh, But uh, he was there on staff, and then he was called to be the senior pastor at Prospect Baptist Church in Albemarle, North Carolina, in uh, 2005. And uh, his uh, helpmate in life and ministry, his sweet bride is Missy. They have six children and four grandchildren. And ladies, you'll get to hear from Missy tomorrow during the session for all the ladies. And, uh, And I know you'll look forward to that. They've enjoyed marital bliss for 32 years. Amen. What a great testimony. And I have had the privilege over the past couple of years to serve with Brother Stoney on the Conservative Baptist Network and and uh, just appreciate his love for our Lord. His appreci- I appreciate his love for God's Word. Uh, men, you may remember, Stoney came and spoke to us last year at our Men's Sportsman's Day event uh, that we had out at Hicks Hideaway. And, uh and he opened God's word for us there, but he loves the, the Lord, he loves the word, he loves for people to discover Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and, um, and he's uncompromising on his stand uh, on the word of God tonight. So no, matter, no better man than, than Brother Stoney to come and preach to us tonight and share with us. And so, Brother Stoney, this pulpit is now yours to come and bless us and, and preach God's word to us as God has laid that on your heart. I hope you have great freedom to do that. And as he comes, I want you to welcome him. Join with me and welcome him here to South River Baptist Church uh, for our, our sacred marriage conference tonight. Amen. You want to?
1: There, I want to be down here. It's easier for me to move than it is you. Amen? Are you all okay if I'm down here? Right there is good. I want to look these people into eyeballs. Amen? Well, it is um, mine and Missy's privilege to be with you all. And uh, Missy, where are you at, honey? You're in the back. Oh, she never gets to sit in the back at our church, so she's she's a back row Baptist tonight. Amen. Would you stand? This is my wife, Missy, and uh, we've been married for 32 years, as your pastor has already said. And uh, how did this thing come up just a little bit? I'm a preacher. I need some help. Oh, here it is. Here, here it is.
0: This is the music stuff. We don't
1: do this. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and um, we do have six wonderful children and four grandchildren, and uh, we're by no means experts on marriage or family, but we do love the Lord and we do love the Bible, and um, so we're just here to learn with you uh, these two two main sessions that we'll be in, and. And then we'll do, a, I'll have the men tomorrow morning at the conclusion and Missy will have the ladies. But, but what I want to do tonight is, um, is I want you to take your Bible. I hope you brought your Bible. You might have it on a phone or whatever, an iPad, and go with me to the book of Joshua. Uh, to the book of Joshua. And um, it's a familiar passage, uh, but I want to kind of lay the groundwork, if I can, uh, for what I'm going to be really speaking on uh, tomorrow morning. And I'm I'm going to pose a question to you tonight because if we don't answer this one question right, then everything else that we are going to talk about is going to be of no value. And that is, will your family serve the Lord? Uh, Were you in your marriage, uh, in your family, will you serve the Lord? And Joshua 24 really deals with that. Joshua 24 I'm going to read the, verse, the first five verses and then read verses 14 and 15. I don't know how y'all do here, but in our place, we ask people to stand uh, just to give honor and reverence to the Word of God. Amen. Would, so would you stand with me as I read this aloud? The Bible says, Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, for their officers, and, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, to Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward, I brought you out. Then he goes through the historical uh, things that happened there in Egypt. And then we come to 14. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, verse 14 serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in egypt serve the lord and then here's the real familiar verse that we most of us know and if it seems evil to you to serve the lord choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the amorite in whose land you dwell and then Joshua makes this famous, famous statement, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can we pray and just ask the Lord just to minister to us as we look at his word. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, Brother Chris and uh, his dear wife April and their family and their ministry here at South River. And uh, God, I pray as we spend some time together tonight around the word of God that you will Uh, Lord, that you, by the Spirit, that you would strengthen our families, that you would strengthen man and wife, and, God, that we would be a family that would serve the Lord. And I pray, uh, Lord, that you would get all the honor and the glory of everything that's said and done, and we pray and believe in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for standing, folks, and you can be seated, please. I believe one of the greatest uh, needs... Uh, that we have today in the American church is really revival in the family of serving the Lord. Can you imagine uh, the influence and the impact uh, that the Church of Jesus Christ could really have and how influential we would be if our families would really understand what it really means to serve the Lord. Uh, So tonight in this opening session I want to lay the foundation if I can For the second session tomorrow, and then as I said, Missy will have the ladies and I will have the men at the conclusion of our time together. It's been said, as the family goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes the culture. As the culture goes, so goes the country. And if you really stop and think about our culture and our country, You have to come to the conclusion that there's a breakdown somewhere in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a breakdown. I'm here tonight to be helpful to us concerning serving the Lord. I want you to really contemplate this one question. Will your family really serve the Lord? Now there's been many definitions about uh, what serving the Lord is, but what does the Bible say about it? I'm just a Bible guy. I'm not, I'm not concerned what the culture thinks serving the Lord is. I'm not concerned about what I think serving the Lord is. What does the Bible say? That, what it really means to serve the, serve the Lord, and it's a major issue. At our church, we've just given our church what I call the next generation vision. In other words, if we don't influence my generation and, and, and those behind us, what will the church look like 20 years from now? I mean, what will, I'm, I'm 56 years old. In 20 years, I'll be 76. What will the church of Jesus Christ look like in 20 years if we don't invest in our families and in young people and young adults And your your generation because we're to hand the baton down to the next generation. The Bible teaches that the older teaches the younger. And I'll be honest with you I'm not sure that as a pastor I've done a good job of communicating that truth. But I've repented and I'm doing better and I'm asking the Lord to lead me and and we're beginning to do that. So from from a biblical viewpoint God designed the family and marriage to be sacred. Uh, Your pastor and I talked about the theme of this and a uh, sacred marriage, sacred homes, and uh, to, to really be a, for our families, our marriages to be a visible, not just a spiritual, but a visible demonstration to the culture of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Are are, are we doing a good job of that? I think we can have, I think there's much improvement that we can have. You do know this, and and, and I'm going to remind you of a lot of things tonight. Uh, You do know that as the husband, that we are the representation of Christ to our family. You do know that the wife, you are a, ladies, you are a representation of the church to your family. And your children, our children, they are a representation of what it means to be a Christian. I mean, why did God choose the marriage relationship as a metaphor to really explain the relationship that he has with his church? I mean, it's, it's an incredible thought. So actually, a family that does not serve the Lord is a hindrance to the gospel. See, sin is not the biggest hindrance to the gospel. What's the biggest hindrance to the, the The biggest hindrance to the gospel are people that attend my church every week and people that attend this church every week and profess one thing in here but then go out there and they live something totally different. That's the biggest hindrance that we have. And so I really want to deal tonight with a family that serves the Lord. Here's the context of the passage. Context is so important. You take a text out of context and you have a con. So we can't do that. So here's the context. Joshua, is in, he, he's nearing his time of death. Uh, God has used him in a mighty way after the death of Moses to lead God's people, a new generation by the way, to lead God's people to embrace the ways of God that the prior generation would rebelled against and rejected and so he led this new generation into the promised land this is his last sermon it's the last sermon of Joshua and he calls everyone together I just read it in verse 1 and he really deals with them as a family unit serving the Lord I'm not going to read the scripture again just to for the sake of time but I would like to report to you that the people did make a vow and I'll I'll show you that at the end of the passage and uh, I, I would like to say that after Joshua died that they did exactly what they said they were going to do but that's not the case that's not what happened after Joshua died they went back to they went back to serving Gods, The families drifted away from the Lord, and then God raised up judges, the very next book of the Bible. He raised up judges to call the people back over and over because the families drifted away from serving the Lord. Let me see if I can put a definition to really a, a family that serves the Lord. Are you ready for this? I don't know if you're a note taker, but if, if not, just get this in your mind. Uh, A family that serves the Lord is when dad will take the spiritual leadership. Guys, are you ready? It's when dad will take the spiritual leadership or the spiritual role of his family. And I'm going to share this with you tomorrow morning, guys. You're the priest. You're the protector and the provider of your family. and And we will give an account to God of the spiritual welfare of our family at the judgment seat of Christ. So a family that serves the Lord is when dad takes a spiritual role of the family and then leads by example, leads by example to embrace what the Bible teaches and then he and his family, don't leave this out, connect to a local church so they can be a part of a visible demonstration of the gospel. You know, there's this crowd out there this day that they make statements like this. Well, I just don't think that um, if you're a Christian that you have to go to church. Well, they haven't read the Bible. You can't find anybody after Pentecost in the church letters that was a Christian that was not a vital part of the local church. See, we've made the church about coming and observing instead of participating. This is not a entertainment center this is not a social club although we ought to have fellowship we're here for one reason is to honor Jesus Christ that we might visibly show the world that he's real I mean that's that's why we're here and so I believe the major problem in America is the breakdown of the family and this woke culture that we're living in that's their goal is to break down the family and to redefine marriage because they know that they can't change the culture until they break down what's in place so they can build something new back. The church of Jesus Christ has to stand up for what's right. We have to. And so uh, I just want to show you several things from the passage tonight. Number one, I want you to notice the reason to serve the Lord. So Joshua, he begins to unpack his heart for the future of the nation. He's getting ready to die. He calls all the people together. And his heart is, after I'm gone, I pray that you will continue to serve the Lord. And let me ask you a question. Do we serve God for who he is or for what he's done? I mean, what's the motivation? Do I serve him for who he is? I think it's both. I think I serve God because he's worthy to be served. Listen, if God never does another thing for anybody in the room except convert you and conform you to the image of Jesus Christ, that's enough to serve him for eternity. But we do serve him for what he's done. But we serve him for who he is. And so when you read Joshua, how he reviews with the people, the history of who God was and what God did, you, you come to realize that you and I are actually part of the story. We're in the narrative that Joshua shares in verse 6 and following. So what's the reason we serve the Lord? First of all, it's God's divine plan. It's the plan of God. So the nation of Israel was serving foreign gods and God divinely intervened and called Abraham. Did you catch it in the text when I read it? He called Abraham to get out from his country and to be the father of, he's the father of our faith so that many families would come through Abraham's faith. So it's God's divine plan for your family to serve him. You can go to Genesis 12 and pick up that story. So by this one divine act of God in the life of this one man, the Bible says all the families of the earth We'll be blessed. So it's God's divine plan for you and I to serve Him. If you're a Christian, you know, there's possibly people in here tonight that's not Christians. If you're a Christian, what happened to Abraham's happened to you. That means God has spoken to you. See, I don't, now listen, I'm not Reformed. This brother knows I'm not a Calvinist, I'm not Reformed. But I'm definitely not an Armenian. I don't believe you can be saved anywhere, anytime. I believe God has to initiate and do something that you can't do. Because according to Ephesians, I didn't come here not to preach on salvation, but your spirit's dead, and God has to do something so that you can even respond to him. That's what the Bible teaches. You can label me what you want to. I just believe the Bible. But if, but if you're saved, God has spoken to you. If you're saved, you responded and repented and received Jesus Christ as your life. In other words, being a Christian, I don't attach God to my life and then live my life and wait till I die so that I can go to heaven. That's crazy. No, He becomes my life, He's everything. He, because I repent and submitted to his lordship, and you're a new creation, and now you have God in you that's giving you the ability to serve him. It's God's divine plan, it's the way God it, it worked it out. Secondly, it's God's divine provisions. Joshua, in his sermon, he gives the people a review of how God provided what they could never provide for themselves. It's the story of the wilderness wandering. I mean I didn't read it tonight for sake of time but if you pick up at verse number six and go through verse number 13 it talks about the wilderness wandering and them entering into the promised land listen the promised land is not heaven that's the spirit-filled life Chris this is though this is though all due respect we got some songs that says I'm going to the promised land it's like I'm going to heaven that is not scripturally correct no the promised land is a typology of the spirit-filled life he said, I brought you out so that I could bring you in. And it's its just the Spirit of God, that's what we've been provided to serve Him with. You can't serve God without the Spirit of God. I don't have it in me apart from the Spirit of God. So it's God's divine prezi- uh, provisions. Well, you, you do understand, and I know you're in a great church, you've got a great preacher. You do understand that we're not old covenant Christians. I'm a new covenant Christian. In other words in the Old Covenant they were praying that God would do something outwardly and he did in the New Covenant God moved inside and did something inwardly listen to what the do God, gracious I'm fired up about this in the New Covenant the Bible says I'm going to write my word on your hearts I'm going to inscribe it in your mind they didn't have that in the Old Testament you're going to be my people I'm going to be your God and listen to this. This is shouting ground. Y'all shout here. Your sins and your lawless deeds I'll never remember no more. Amen. That's a good place right there to say amen. <laughs> now if I amen myself, it will take me twice as long to get finished, okay? Listen, we're new covenant Christians. So here's really what happened to us. Because salvation is more than you going to heaven. Here's what happened. God stepped out of heaven, invaded my dead spirit, took up residence inside of me, made me the temple of the Holy Ghost, now has filled me with the Holy Ghost and is able to be by grace to serve the Lord faithfully. I'd say hallelujah. No, no Christian has any excuse not serving the Lord. Well, preacher, you don't know how I was brought up. No, you don't know how he was brought up. You don't know what I've been through. No, you don't know what he's been through. It's him. It's not me. Because service flows from him. And so, anyway, we're, we're, we're new covenant Christians. Notice the responsibility. I gave you the reason. Notice the responsibility. He picks up in verses 14 and 15. Here's what Joshua is communicating. He said, God has delivered you and has provided everything for you. If God has delivered you and provided everything for you, just lift your hand and say, Amen. He's, he's, he's delivered us. He's provided everything for us. Therefore, here's what they taught me at Fruitland in, uh, in homiletics class. This is so simple, it's profound. Anytime you in the Bible, you see the word, therefore, you need to see what it's there for. So it points back to what he says and points forward to what he's going to say. He said, since God has delivered you and provided everything, now here is your responsibility before God to serve him as a family. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to listen to this carefully. Christianity without responsibility is a false gospel. Christianity without responsibility is a false gospel because God did not save me just to go to heaven God saved me to get heaven on earth God saved me to, so that he could I'll deal with this probably some tomorrow but God saved me because the first man Adam fell, and so God saved me to put the image of Christ back in me to conform us to the image of Christ so that humanity the most prized creation of God could once again Design and function the way God had originally made the first human being. That's why God saves us. That's why He gives us Jesus Christ. So we have responsibility. So the Bible teaches for a genuine believer in Christ that when God saved you, now this, this, is, this is pretty tough terminology in our culture, you became a bond slave. I mean, read the epistles. Paul. A bond slave of Christ I know we're living in the day of racism but I just want you I just want to remind you of something Christianity is Jesus being Lord and me having absolutely no rights Am I right preacher so we have responsibility to serve the Lord Jesus And so the Bible says in Romans 6, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, how many remember when you were slaves of sin? Boy, I do. I'm telling you what, before we were converted, Missy and I, we were the hell of the hellions. You would never find us in a church house on Friday night. You would find us bellied up to a bar somewhere or a nightclub somewhere or a party somewhere with all that that's involved with all that but thanks be unto god you were once slaves to sin but now you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine from which you have delivered and god has set you free from sin singular not sins sin the power of and the presence or the power of sin of my sinful nature and now i'm a slave of righteousness that means i don't have any rights and as hard as I went after it when I was in sin, I am the same way now in Christ. So what's my responsibility? Will your family serve the Lord? Notice just what the text says. First of all, fear God. See, this seems simple, but so many have missed it. There seems to be a decline among Christian families of fearing God. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Now, this is not a negative aspect of being afraid. But let me say this. You ought to be afraid of God. Now, when I was growing up, I wasn't afraid of my daddy because he was never home, but I sure was afraid of my mom. Hey, we ought to be afraid of God. I mean, a, a fear of God is what keeps me from going a particular direction at times. I mean, before I was converted, I, I, I was, they used to call them alcoholics or do now. No, we were drunks back then. It's what the Bible calls them. And it's not a disease, it's a sin. I was terrible with alcohol. Here's what I believe. If I'd be out of town somewhere and have the attitude, you know what, nobody's watching. There's nobody here. If I'd take one Bud Light or one natural light or a glass of wine, Chris, if I'd, if I'd try to put that to my mouth, I believe God would kill me. See, we've got to have a fear of God. This is a couple right here. Y'all are some senior adults. Y'all remember a time. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm beginning to get there. Hey, let me just ask you all a question. Can I ask you all a question? Do you guys remember a time when the church of Jesus Christ feared God more than today? Not there's a testimony. See, if you're going to serve God, you're going to have to fear Him. There's got to be this healthy fear of God. So, What did Joshua mean when he instructed the people to fear God? Well, again, you have to know the context. There were some falling back to serving the false gods of the land. The idols that Abraham and Jacob and all them served. Basically, many of the families had had fallen away and were drawing close to to the gods of Canaan. Here's what Joshua said. Here's what fearing God means. Put God in his rightful place in your family. Where does God desire to be in your family? Somebody help me. First, not second. See, if God's not the priority of your family, you don't fear him. Let me just unload a burden. I'm not trying to be critical or negative. I'm just trying to preach the truth. I watch young families, and they're probably here too, put things in their family life before God. Missy and I, when we got saved, Here's the commitment that we made to the Lord. God, nothing or nobody, and I realize I'm a dinosaur in preaching, but as long as I don't fossilize, I'll be okay. We said, God, nobody or nothing will ever take the place of what you want from our family on the Lord's Day. We promise you. So if a, a family member, if they, if they have a, a birthday, listen, I'm not a legalist, I just fear God. If they have a birthday party on Sunday evening that runs into Sunday night church, we didn't go. Because we wanted to keep God first. And people would tell me, but Stony, y'all better lighten up on them kids a little bit. Because when they get old, they're, they're going to walk away. Y'all have them down there at the church house all the time. Every children's event, they're there. Every student event, they're there. They're there Sunday morning. They're there Sunday night. They're there Wednesday night. I was trying to steer the fear of God in them. And it clicked with me one day. I was at Oxford Baptist Church preaching for Joel Fry. I'll never forget it as long as I live, I'm up there preaching and my oldest daughter walks in the door. She drove 80 miles. And she walked in the door and I said, Sarah, what are you doing here, honey? And she said, Dad, I just want to hear it one more time. Listen, if kids will see at home what we do here, with consistency, then they'll raise their kids and they'll fear God. We've got to invest it. Listen, we've got to model before our children and grandchildren fearing God. Listen, if this is not important, let's just shut the doors. That's basically what Joshua said to them. He said, if this is unreasonable, go on and serve the gods of Abraham. Do you fear God? I don't want to get started off on the wrong foot. Good gracious. But you know the fastest growing religion in America? Y'all ready? Some of y'all probably won't talk to me tomorrow morning if you come back. Travel sports. Am I against sports? Absolutely not. But I am on God's day. I've already told my girls. If you put my grandchildren in travel sports, Papa won't be there on Sunday. Don't you do it? I love my grandchildren. I think everybody needs a recreational life, but listen, we have to put God in His rightful place as the priority of our lives if we're going to serve Him. Are y'all with me? Did I tick anybody off? Just do like this. I love you, man. I I just want to, I'm trying to communicate what Joshua was communicating to these people. So fear, it just simply means a a reverence and honor and obey God in all you are and all you do because serving God flows out of fearing God. Why are families not serving God? Listen to what the New Testament, it's very clear on the subject. No one can serve two masters. For you either hate the one or love the other else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God in anything else. Why did Jesus say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things shall be added unto you. See God, fearing God is God in his rightful place in my life. But then the second thing is faith God. He says serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served. He he uses this word serve, but but when you do a word study, you'll discover that this really means to minister to the Lord. I'll give you an example. Do you remember the Bible says Samuel when he was a young boy in the temple was ministering unto the Lord. It, It means to honor and please the Lord only. I use the word faith because as a New Testament believer, The only thing that pleases God is faith. I'm going to read it to you. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Could I get a witness? But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. So notice how God used Joshua to explain that these people need to be faith people. In other words, be sincere about your relationship with God. Embrace the truth. Let me define faith for you real quick. Let me tell you what it's not. Faith is not stepping out on nothing to receive something. The Bible says faith is substance. There's another, I just wish that I could have, Brother Chris, that I could have fellowship with a different generation of preachers than my generation. A, guy, a man by the name of Manly Beasley, you know these names, uh, Ron Dunn, Major Ian Thomas, they were faith people. Manly used to say it this way, faith is my human response to what God reveals. I love how Manly would say it. He would say he would say faith is acting like it's so when it's not so that it will be because God said it was see that's how we get saved we act upon what God said when it is not so that it will be because he said it was major Ian Thomas says that when you let the truth behave by faith when you're willing to obey what you've discovered this is a quote when you're willing to obey what you've discovered and let the truth behave, then Jesus Christ will feel what you are, nothing. With who he is, everything. And then that'll be something. Good gracious, say that again, Brother Stoney. Are y'all willing? Somebody write it down, hand it to me. When you're willing to obey what you've discovered, and let the truth behave. Then Jesus Christ will feel what you are nothing, with who He is everything. That'll be something. See, that's that's a family that will serve God, that will really just let the the truth behave. And he, then He said, "Serve God." He said, "If it seems to be evil, that could be translated unreasonable for you to serve and worship God as a family." Choose what' you going to do? I mean, <laughs> Joshua didn't leave any gray area, man. <laughs> he didn't say now, you know what we would we'd, we'd love, we'd love for you to be a member here, and how can we help you? Now that's the wrong question. You don't come to a church to see what the church can do for you. No, you come to the church to see what you can do in service to the Lord. Am I right? If I'm wrong, man, you correct me. You're much smarter than I am. Joshua said, he said, if it seems unreasonable, after all that God's done for you, hey, by the way, he, he, he rescued, he delivered you from Egypt. And your mama and daddy and your grandparents wouldn't obey me, and you were children And they wondered for 40 years but then I rose up a new leader Joshua and took you into the promised land defeated every one of your enemies if that's not enough for you to serve me go back and serve the gods of Abraham Wow he said serve God so basically let me Benfield paraphrase what I what I believe the Bible saying if you're going to put everything else in life before God Just go ahead and serve wholeheartedly those gods of the world. I mean, why even come to church? I'm just getting down where the rubber meets the road. I mean, why build a beautiful facility like this if Jesus Christ is not everything? Because we're not putting on a show. I mean, we're not running a circus. Amen? Serve God wholeheartedly let me give you the results I'll be finished oh how this generation of Christians so need results of a family that have truly serve the Lord if I had time I would read to you verses 16 through 28 which is a lengthy passage and I don't have time tonight to do that but I believe that this passage speaks of a spiritual awakening that needs to take place in every family I'm talking about my family so that God can get glory what happened in the passage here's what they said we will serve the Lord here's what happens there's a private private work of God in every individual so God began to work in the hearts of the individual people concerning what it meant and and to serve and worship God and listen until God does the private work in every one of us we're not going to serve God faithfully there's got to be this private work what took place in the text conviction from God. So the people, verse 16, answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve the other gods. So God brought light to the fact that they were not serving Him. They were, they were serving false gods. And the Bible says that they said in the Lord, verse 18, The Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Here's what conviction does. Listen, by the way, it's a good word. It's not a bad word. Conviction is God's grace and love showing me where I'm off track so that I can get back on track and serve Him. Then there's repentance to God. If you read verses 22 through 24, these these families turned from serving the gods of the other side of the river. They said, the Lord our God will serve and His voice will, will obey. And then lastly, there was this public witness. Now this is so interesting. We all take time. Can I have about four or five more minutes? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I know we've got to be back at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I want to give you plenty of time to rest. Look at verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law. Listen carefully. He took a large stone. And he sat it there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord and Joshua said to all the people behold this stone shall be a witness to us for it the stone has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us it shall therefore be a witness to you lest you deny your God there was this public witness Of them committing themselves to serve the Lord as a family he made the statue he renewed with them the covenant that Moses had made with them after Moses had died and he made this commitment and the people had turned completely away and they were now serving God in heart soul mind and strength and let me go back to the question originally. Then I won't have a time of response. I believe when you hear the Bible, y'all respond to the Bible. Will your family serve the Lord? Dad, will you be the spiritual leader? You say, I don't know how. God will teach you how. Are you willing to be the spiritual leader that God wants you to be? Wife, are you willing to be the spiritual wife that God wants you to be so that your children can see Jesus Christ is real. Here's the way I'd like to close, if it would be okay. I don't know how y'all normally respond here. But do we have a piano player in the house? Anybody here? Pastor, can you play piano? Okay. Do we have do we have a, somebody can just play softly? Piano player? Timothy? Abigail? Timothy? Paul? Abigail? Bark? John? Here's what it wants to do as families. Hey, take your wife by the hand. Or your mate by the hand. If you're here single. Don't take another guy by the hand or another woman by the hand. But would you spend some time right here and just say to the Lord, God, we want to faithfully serve you. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you have it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. It just means, God, I'm willing I want my family to serve the Lord. I'm going to ask my wife to come. Missy, you come. You and I are going to set the example. Let's bring our families tonight to the altar and get your wife or your husband. And let's talk to God about us serving him. God bless you. After this is over, Pastor, I'm finished, okay?
0: Our heads are bowed, if you just pray with me tonight, Lord, we pause tonight, Lord, to acknowledge to you, Lord, we, none of us have arrived, this pastor has not arrived yet. Uh, God, I'm reminded what the psalmist says, that uh, with you there is forgiveness that you might be feared. Um, You have forgiven us much, and, and even tonight we may have confessed some things, Lord, that that we realize need to be forgiven, and Thank you, Jesus, your throne is a throne of grace. Thank you that mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Father, that that commitments, Lord, you you honor those who walk by faith, Lord. You call us to walk by faith. So, Lord, what you've revealed to us tonight, decisions that we need to make, God, we pray you'd help us uh, to go forward in faith. Help our unbelief, Lord. Some things may seem daunting. They may seem too, too challenging for us, but God, nothing's impossible with you. And so, Lord, grant us the faith to believe that you can do impossible things. You can change hard hearts, whether that's ours or our children's. God, you you can change situations and circumstances, Lord, you can you can change our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would do that tonight. Father, I thank you for your servant who. Open your word and let it speak to us tonight. Lord, my prayer is what you have now uh, written there on our hearts. God, chisel it. um, God, so that uh, it'll bring forth fruit. And uh, Lord, I pray even as we drive home tonight, Lord, may your spirit continue to speak to us even through the night. uh, And that we come back even more excited to hear what you have to say to us in your word in the morning. And uh, and lord may we be changed and god may may our home our hearts be changed may our homes be changed and uh, may this church be changed and uh, may our community be changed may our country be changed and in all of these things lord may we we see the glory of god reflected in it and we'll give you the glory and honor in jesus name amen and amen